Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording live under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness. That tradition continues with a gentleman named Rob Ricardo. Rob Ricardo is a musician here in the Valley, hailing from the East. Uh, he's got a few albums out, and I had the the great fortune of seeing him perform at a business opening recently and uh, was really impressed with his skills, not only on stage, but I learned that he was an original artist writing his own music, which is a rarity nowadays, and uh, was really um, just fell in love with his sound and some of the things he was putting down. So I had to reach out to him and see if I could get him on the show and uh, learn a little bit about his story, man. So welcome on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. Yeah. I appreciate it. I, I'm I'm stoked to to have the opportunity to get to know new people all the time. I know you had mentioned that as well coming in, so uh, I think we'll have a lot of good things to talk about. Um, so let's just start at the beginning, man. I, I really want to get to know you. Um, feel free to jump on the tangents. I know you said you would, um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, let's get a little bit about Rob, man. So tell me a little about your uh, your upbringing, where you're from, and all that fun stuff. Yes, yeah, so I am from the East Coast originally, Long Island, New York born and raised. Nice. And uh, yes, yeah, so I grew up, I guess I, I grew up a beach kid, you know, so now living in the desert, I'm very far from the ocean, but the mountains kind of, they cured that, that hurt for me. Like I don't, I don't, I don't miss the ocean so much as long as I'm around the mountains. And uh, yeah, so I, gr- I grew up on Long Island on the South shore. So I grew up, you know, always around the ocean and always around the water. And, uh, you know, playing, playing regular sports like baseball and hockey and soccer, you would think, but I was also like a skate rat as well. I got into skateboarding like really, really early. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had this like blue skateboard. It's called a GT coyote and I got it at like a yard sale or nice. my parents got it for me at a yard sale. And then I just, I got the skate bug really early. So I would, I was like obsessed with baseball and hockey, but I was also really obsessed with skateboarding and like Tony Hawk and like the Bones Brigade and all that kind of stuff. So I was kind of living both lives. Because usually you're either like the jock or the skater. I was definitely both. And I think it's because I wasn't like, the, I was just okay at best at sports mm-hmm. and, you know, baseball and stuff like that. But Dude, I can totally relate to that, man. I, you know, I grew up out in the country and, uh, you know, you had to play ball sports because that was all, all that yeah. was available. And there was this little underground sideshow of us who were, you know, creating scars on skateboards. Yeah. Yeah, I love skate. I still love skate i don't skate as much i was actually just back east last week uh yeah. visiting family it was my mom's birthday and we uh my wife and i went back we were both from long island so mm. it's good we could just go back once and see both families and or to one location rather and see both families and uh my brother-in-law he he's like do you skate because i was talking about like skate when he and he's i was like yeah i was like it's been a long time but he challenged me to a game of skate and i was like all right I got I got a place. You know what skate is? No, I have so no idea. So skate is like horse on basketball. Okay. You know, it's like best trick and or you know best move, and if the other person has to match it, and if they don't, they get a letter. Okay. So it's basically that, but you do it with trick. So it's horse with skateboard. And you spell skate. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, oh man, it's been like four or five years since <laughs> I stepped on a proper board. And I was like, man, I miss it so much. So as I was doing it, I was like, I want to get back into skating. And then I took a fall on the last trick and almost broke both my wrists. So as a guitarist, I was like, that's probably a bad decision. That's an eye opener <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, but it's still in my blood somewhere. That's very cool, man. Yeah. It's funny that you brought up skateboarding. I actually yeah, just bought tangent a number skateboard. one, by the way. So, Oh, no worries, man. No worries. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm going to go on a bunch, I'm sure. For sure. Yeah. No, I just recently bought a board. Um, oh yeah. What kind of board did you get? 
Oh, shit. Like a standard, like, skate? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, uh, dude, I, I don't know all the brands and stuff nowadays. I just remember I had to get the indie trucks because oh, that was yeah. always my jam when I was you a kid. You got to get the independence, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I'll show it to you, man. It's, uh, it's, it's around the corner here somewhere. Sweet. Cool. So, uh, skateboarding, ball sports. Um, then what, man? You said, uh, I think at one point you got into some surfing. Yeah. Um, surfing actually came way later than you would think, you know, growing up on the beach. Uh, so got into skateboarding like when I could walk and then I got started snowboarding in fifth grade. So I guess it's like 10 years old or something like that. And my parents were always like, you know, know, there's surfers at the beach. I remember my dad one time, he's like, oh, there was like a poster on like the, on like this pole, like at at the beach on Far Island for like surf lessons. He's like, you should do it. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. Not gonna go in the water. There's sharks out there. I, I went in the ocean, but I figured where <laughs> past where the waves break, I thought there was like things gonna eat you. Right. And then I, you know, so that delayed it a few years. But I got in to surfing when I was about 14 nice. in high school because I met a few people on the baseball team that I was playing with that were like in this really into surfing, and mm. one of them became my best friend. And we just like surfing and guitar and like basically trying to be like little Jack Johnson's like running around Long Island just playing guitar and music. Dude, that's so cool. So yeah. what's the surfing like up in that part of the world? The surfing is pretty fickle. <laughs> the waves are best during hurricane season in the fall. And like before, like, so if there's a great swell, if there's like a good storm coming up the East coast, it's like going to hit or miss Florida. Like it'll move through and like kind of, pass out so like we're so like the the hurricane actually ends up not hitting the island but we'll get we'll get all the good weather and all the good swell from that storm Mm -hmm. so it's good in the fall which is the water's great but it's really great in the winter and the water's like 39 degrees so you're like wearing but occasionally you'll have like a really great day in the summer but it's you know doing a lot of you're riding a longboard a lot because the waves are very small like knee high and and smaller sure but it's great it's still great you know, not many places you can only you have to be on a coast to surf. So it's most of the country can't do that. So I'm definitely really fortunate for that. Very sure. Very true. Very true. What's the culture like around surfing and that sort of thing in Long Island? Yeah, there's definitely a, a pretty good surf scene. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't think, I mean, Long no, Island has so many, it's known for like lacrosse. I, I was going to say, I think of lacrosse. Like yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, which those like are like roughneck type yeah, sports. Yeah. Yeah. Those two sports I had never played at all. I like owned a lacrosse stick at best, <laughs> but I wasn't a look standard, typical Long Island lacrosse kid. Uh, so the surf scene's pretty great and it kind of, I had my easing into it through the skate scene. Cause all the skate shops were also surf. Most of the skate shops at least were also surf shops. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of what you make it though. Like we're, if, I'm the kind of kid, and so was my friend Stefan. Like we would just get every single surf DVD, like surf movie, and back when things were on DVD, and you would just we would just every weekend, every Friday, we'd go to the surf shop after high school and just buy it, a DVD, watch it five times and repeat. Wake up Saturday and try to like pretend we were like <laughs> Donovan Frankenreiter or like Kelly Slater or something like that. And uh, on the three foot waves, life. right? Yeah, on the smaller waves. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Very so. cool. So, um, where was your, um, at this point when you're kind of experimenting with all these different sports, like, uh, I know that you're kind of into like yoga, meditation, obviously music. Um, where did that start to enter your life? Yoga didn't happen until I met my wife, my wife, Marissa, who's the best. She, you know, got, she inadvertently, I mean, I was aware of yoga. Mm -hmm. So, so when I would, I actually specifically remember this. So when I, I, in college, uh, 
my, the spring semester of my junior year, I studied abroad in Ireland mm. and I brought my skateboard and my wetsuit with me to Ireland and my guitar. So I had like, I pretty much was set, right? That's it. And I, I only got to surf once in Ireland, but I remember reading the way I would just get my surf fix other than going on like trans world surf. I would, ha- I would get like all of like the magazines like in the, the shop, like on campus, they would have like the trans world surf magazines and I would just get them and I would just, you know, keep up on everything. And there was an article for this one surfer named Jordy Smith. He is an amazing surfer on the world tour based uh, from South Africa. And like, it was an article about him, like getting into hot yoga. And that's when I was like, Oh, there's this thing called hot yoga. And I'm like, well, if it's, you know, he's, he's a good surfer. Maybe if I got into hot yoga, so that it planted a seed. And then it wasn't until we can, we can go back and get in the details. I'm about to like really jump ahead, but like, it wasn't until I gave up music after college and filled that void by getting into ultra marathon running mm. that I was like, really got serious about my health. Cause I, I st- kind of like took over my, I got, I lost weight and like got really into running while I was studying abroad in Ireland. So that kind of started this other new passion. Wow. And to the point where it slowly, I wouldn't like really surf much cause I would always be training and running. Mm. And that's when I really got into like, I need to like get into yoga for, for better fit, better flexibility and everything. Cause I was like always battling these crazy injuries cause I'm like training for 50 mile races. And a lot of the stuff was heat training. So then the hot yoga thing came back into my, into my mind and my my now wife we were kind of just friends at that point we would we were dating for on and off we were many first dates as we like to say <laughs> um one of our first dates was at a hot yoga studio because she was a former gymnast and she was really into yoga yoga like really helped her like ease her stress through through college and and so i remember messaging her one time i was like hey i would like to get into hot yoga i'm gonna train for the western states 100 so i really want to do some heat training and stuff like that and uh it was kind of just a way to just plant a seed and be like hey we should go out on another date yeah. and uh so we kind of the first proper date we we, we went to a, a yoga studio in queens together and i was like really intimidated because i couldn't do it i thought it was, i thought yoga was about doing all the moves it i even her and i at that point marissa and i did not have any um we didn't, we had not yet made the connection of like the spirituality and mm-hmm. yoga. It was, and it's kind of still like, I'm going to kind of make a blanket statement, but even go, when I go back every now and then it, I see that it still hasn't hit that point to a, for a lot of people, at least on the East coast, for sure. People on the East coast are going to hate me right now, but it, <laughs> it, it seems to be still more In about general, like yeah. handstands and, and moves from the people that I've talked to. Sure. Um, and that's how it was, at least when I was in the city. So then we, so then long story short, a few years later, my, my wife and I like start dating and, and, um, I get a yoga studio membership with her and we're like, we're going to yoga like once or twice a day, hot yoga it had to be hot yoga. Cause we had to like sweat it out. And then it wasn't until we moved out here that when I moved out, I moved out first cause I took a job out here and then she moved out like a, she was finished up her job in New York. So when she came out like a month later, she had trouble finding work. So I was like, you know, use this time to like do what you wanted to do. And she always wanted to do her her yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. So she did like an immersive yoga teacher training class at urban yoga in Phoenix. And then she would come back with like all these like books and like also we were just like talking more of like the spirituality side of things. And we we were always talking about that stuff over the few years, but it was like the tiny little, the, 
the door was cracked open a little bit, a little bit of light comes in a little bit, and that kind of blew things open for her. And she, we, were just, we would just always be hiking and talking about all these concepts and talking mm-hmm. about like the Bhagavad Gita and, then, and then, then all like more modern books like the Four Agreements. And, and then it, it wasn't, it was all those people that I met that kind of uh, it really just like opened up my mind in, in ways where I was, I was like, oh, okay. This is this stuff is really interesting and it makes sense to me. It's helping me like explain the like ways that I've always felt since I was a kid or things I've always like thought, things I've always wondered, and you know what I mean. And you're referring to the spirituality. Yeah, side. the spirituality yeah. side of things or the way to look at life. Because yeah. I've always I was always a kid like growing up, being like, there's got to be more mm. oh, than nice. this. This. Yeah. And I don't mean like in like a. I mean I don't really mean any. I, I didn't know in in any way. I was just like, there's got to be more than this, and it's that theme is kind of strung along in a lot of my, a lot of my songs. And it's just like, I, I, I always kind of knew it was this journey and I had this passion for music and even though giving it up. So at this time, everything's kind of like spun together. So like when you look back in retrospect, I'm sure your life is a lot of these two. You're like, wow, I, everything is so intertwined. Right. And so right around this time when we started moving, it's like my wife encouraged me to like get back into playing music. Cause she saw how much, joy and passion it gave me because I didn't touch a guitar for four years mm. and so a few months before we moved I was like really starting to get back into it and then we moved and then the job I had it was kind of I was kind of like busy so I wasn't I was kind of just dabbling and then sure enough like about a, a year later one of the her yoga te- one of her teachers that I met invited me to like play my guitar in his class his name's Hamid Jabbar he's like awesome dude really into sound healing and uh, he saw me playing my lap steel guitar on Instagram and he asked me if I would want to play. And I was like, okay, I guess it's just instrumental. Cool. I'll play that. And because I didn't have like any songs other than like these like kind of folk songs that I had written like, you know, from high school up, you know. Right. And um, he's like, no, I want you to sing as well. So I'm like, oh man, I have to like make stuff up on the spot. <laughs> so I was just like, I would sing verses and stuff. And that, that night changed everything. Wow. Um because it planted the seed of like where I could take my music lyrically, that I could be my own artist. I didn't have to write music for other people, which was one of the ways that I thought maybe that maybe that's how I was supposed to do music. And mm-hmm. like, so I started doing that, a little bit of that out here. And then when I moved and it just didn't feel right. And then the yoga, everything just started to come together. And then that door really opened up. And, and then I, I wrote all the songs, like most of the songs from my first album came from that. That's amazing, dude. So, yeah. uh, were you were you literally like coming up with uh, choruses on the on the spot? Just one like, of them I did. One of them was yeah. my song of. Oh, it was like the least, not least yogic one, but least one you would expect. Because not all my stuff is like just it's the spirituality in nature as well, and like that open mindedness and you know what I call spirituality and everything. But I know that word could turn people off because it's not religious by any means. It's mm-hmm. it's it's. Spirituality to me is open mindedness, open mindedness. Op- I can't say open mindedness. There we go. There and go. Uh, and and just like being a seeker on your own path mm-hmm. and going, there's got to be more. I want to, you know, dive into my journey head first right. and find out why I'm here, what I can do, how I can be a better person. And that's just that's a never ending journey. Totally. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So one of the songs was that I had come up with a concept for on a previous hike like a few months before it was like we're all of wilderness like like why do you feel so good like when you're out like especially on those big backcountry hikes and um we were on this hike in Sedona and we thought we were being stalked by mountain lions and I was like 
which is a whole nother story. <laughs> and um turns out that time we don't think we were, but and I had written in this phone this this concept of like we're all of a wilderness and like but we have this disconnect because we're always on technology through it. And I remember that. So I was in that yoga class. I like started sounding like we're up wilderness, the mountains they mount a sacred but you know and I was and I remembered I just kept playing that on loop and I went home that night and wrote that song. Nice. So does that answer your Yeah, yeah, that's amazing, dude. I do want to go back though. Like yeah, uh, yeah. we I uh, fast forward all over the place. No, 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 it's <laughs> cool. You gave me you gave me a lot to run with, a lot of runway. But uh yeah, so back to the Ireland piece, right? So Yeah, yeah. So A, that's an amazing opportunity. So I want to hear a little bit about how that came to be. And then talk to me a little bit about how um the uh running piece came in. That's not something I expected you to say. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I, I forget about all these little pockets of my life. I feel like I've had lived like thousand miniature lives inside. That's a good life. 31 brother. years already. Yeah. I no complaints. It's all led me to this moment. But so do you want to hear about the running part or the, I mean, I guess that's both. I ran track in high school, but it was just to stay in shape for baseball season. And I was a sprinter. Gotcha. I was not into distance running. Hated it. Like, right. You know, we would always, all the sprinters and hurdlers would skip out on the, the six <laughs> lap warm up because we didn't want to put a mile and a half in. Right. So, but when you left for Ireland, you said that you took like uh, your surfboard, your guitar. Yeah. You didn't even mention toothbrush, right? So I'm assuming those things were the most important yeah, thing yeah. at that point, right? I'm pretty sure there was a toothbrush. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And, and then, so like, I wasn't expecting you to take a left turn and say, oh, but yeah, while I was there, I got into running. Yeah. Th- so that was completely a surprise to me as well. Really? So the night before I left, I haven't thought of this in a while. The night before I left, I took an index card or it was a you know, piece of paper, a little, little small piece of paper. And I wrote down on one side, everything I, I was, or everything like that I thought defined me mm-hmm. at that moment. And, you know, you hear about that studying abroad can be a transformational uh, experience. And it certainly is. Mm-hmm. Even if you take the really, the easiest way to do is to go to like Ireland, somewhere like it's largely an English speaking country and you know everybody there's so nice and welcoming so it was it was a good way out it was my first time in Europe so I wrote down everything that I thought defined me or everything that was true in that moment mm-hmm. in January of 2009 how old were you th- at this point uh so I was a junior I was 20 because okay. I remember turning 21 in Ireland so this was, was collegiate studies at this point yeah undergrad okay. yeah so it was my spring semester of my junior year gotcha so I wrote that on one side and then I flipped it over on the other side. I wrote everything that I wanted to change. So by the time I got back four months later, like everything would be different. And I don't remember everything I put and I put it in my guitar case, like in the little compartment where you put like the, your picks and like your spare strings and capo. Right. And I remember one of them on it was get, take control of my life, like, like fitness and get in shape. I was never, I was I was like an out of shape athlete because hmm. I didn't just didn't take training too seriously. So, um, so cardio was this net. I was not, you know, a, a heavy kid or anything by any means. I just, I wasn't like also naturally, you know, ripped or naturally like fit. I, because of that, I, I, I was like really like lazy about like my training other than actually like playing the actual sport. And, um, so I, I wanted to change that when I was in Ireland cause I was like starting to get interested in like being in better shape for like surfing and things like that. Mm-hmm. And long story short, uh, Ireland was also back in my, my drinking days. And uh, as you can imagine, <laughs> being college and everything. And what a being place Ireland, to go, right? Yeah. Well, the other thing on the list was drink real Guinness, which <laughs> right. I did a lot in Ireland. <laughs> but I, it's funny. I don't, I don't drink anymore. I've been, uh, you know, chose a life of sobriety about three and a half years ago. But I'm, 
I'm really glad that, you know, I, I used to in the, in the way it was, cause that's just the way things panned out. We, you know, we were at this, we were drinking Guinness at, at the pub and, uh, there was this one girl in our program. There was like 20 American students in our program. There was a bunch of different programs of like Americans and other Erasmus students, which is like the European version mm-hmm. of like studying abroad. And, and where were you guys at this point? Limerick, Ireland, okay. so the West Coast, and I had this amazing dorm room. So we lived in these dorms that were like these townhouses, and you had six roommates, and it was a common room, but they were like, you open the door, and there's a hallway, and there's three rooms, mm-hmm. like three doors. So you have your own room. Nice. And it's like this king-size bed, full bathroom, huge desk. So I set up a little like recording studio in my corner, and I was like recording acoustic songs. I had a view of the Shannon River with like, the closest thing to a mountain that you could find in that part of Ireland, wow. like in the distance. So, and all that played out. And then there was this girl in the program and I like walked, walked we were, I had a crush on her at the time. And, uh, you know, I was like, Oh, I'll walk you back to your, your dorm. I want to make sure we're safe, safe. She like lived on the other side of the, of the river. So I walked her across the bridge and she's telling me about this race that she's training for in Dublin in April. She's like, it's a 10 K. I had no idea how long a 10 K was. And I was like, Oh, I'm like, oh, that sounds like fun. She's like, you should come run it with me. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> so many Guinness is in. I go back to my room that night. And, you know, she had told me uh, how to search for it. It was this, we're still on flip phones at this point, which is funny to think about. So I like wrote it down like on my hand or something like that, like where to search for the race and signed up for it that night woke up the next morning I'm like what did i sign up for and i'm like how long is 10 i don't even know how long 10k even is and it's at that point it was 6.2 miles which felt like an eternity right you know because i i sprinted the 400 meter in in track so that was the longest i would do and i immediately started looking for training plans on like like runnersworld.com and started training like that next morning i just started running in the rain on this on the river trail running past castles and everything. And that is my long story for the, could have been a shorter answer of like how I got into running, but that's how, that's how it happened. That's how it unfolded in Ireland. There's always and a girl just, in those stories. Yeah, and there's, there's always usually <laughs> some kind of like some muse. potential love interest right. to get into, you know, running or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. That's yeah. amazing, dude. And it just unfolded like that. I came back much healthier and then I took it to a really unhealthy place. Then I became like, that's another story. I became like anorexic, had eating disorder. I got my weight. I went to Ireland 185 and I'm not a huge guy. I'm like, I was more muscular, but I was, I'm five, nine. I went there like 185, came back 165 just from not even really changing my diet. Obviously mm-hmm. it's still eating French fries and drink, was drinking Guinness, right. but I was running like every day. And then, then I got down the rabbit hole of like, well, I can get faster and faster. If that's, I mean, we can go there if you want, but that's like a whole nother. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. It's so a story. Yeah, definitely. When I wanted to ask you a question about something that you said earlier though, um, which I thought was pretty insightful for a 19, 20 year old kid. Yeah. You said that before you left, you, you made mm. a list of the things that you wanted to become. Yeah. All right. Um, how did you arrive at that? What inspired that? That's this, this to me seems like someone who's carrying a, a pretty, pretty solid amount of self-awareness at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's the only way to describe it or, or explain it really is like what I said before is like always had this thing where I would just like, you know, I would look up at the sky at night and just be like, I know there's something more than everything I've societally have been told. Mm. Um, you know, I was, I'm, my parents are great. I was raised in a great family. So it was nothing like I wasn't getting something there. It was, 
it was just more of this i was just always like a dreamer or a seeker like i like to say it like i would watch a movie and like my mind would like go deep into like how can that be a reality like let's make that a reality or something like that so when i you know so i was going abroad i would always hear i'm like like, how can i get the most transformation Mm. like out of that i was just yeah my mind just goes to those places that's amazing dude I, i just i don't imagine very many people at that part or that age of life actually having that much insight and to hear you actually take a conscious intent with you at that point in your life where most people are thinking about just having a fun or having a beer, I think is pretty amazing, dude. Yeah. I guess so. Looking back, I'm like super grateful that I guess I had that because I just thought that that was normal. I I hate to use the word normal versus Mm -hmm. like abnormal, but I just, the circle of friends that I surrounded myself with were pretty much like that, especially my best friend, Steph. I'm like surfing really did that surfing. I, I think it's because that's post getting into surfing at that point. I'm a few years in and I was diehard obsessed with surfing. Mm. Still am. I still follow the world tour and everything. Obviously I don't get to surf as much, but there is the, there, you know, they call it soul surfer and you get into this when you're in the ocean and you're just bobbing there and you're waiting for a wave and you're trying to time the, you know, you got, you waited till it was like low tide and you're, you're timing the, the sets and you're, you're trying to pick the right wave. And then you're like, is there a shark beneath me and all this stuff here? You're in this connection with this like moving force and it just unwait, it awakened something in me. Really? Yeah. Did you find that in that position, like you're physically out there, you're waiting for waves, you're learning to, you know, time your right sets and all this kind of thing. Did you find um, that you found yourself more aware at that point? Yeah. Wow. And it, it brought me to a deeper sense of awareness mm. in to the environment, mm-hmm. but also to myself. And it also makes you really contemplate, like I'm just this little speck bobbing in this ocean. Because, you know, there are a lot of surf sessions, there's just like a couple people out there and you're like, your mind just starts, it's a, it's, it's a, a lot great of water place for here. your mind to start wandering. Yeah. It's, it's really, really powerful. That's amazing. So was it, was the surfing piece and you mentioned your friend Stefan a couple of times was, yeah. was, was that combination sort of maybe the roots of some of the spirituality that you're enjoying today? For sure. Yeah. Uh, right Cause on. him and I still have, the, we just two days ago just had like a really deep conversation and then we don't see, we see each other like twice a year, but we still have surfing definitely started that. Nice. I would imagine if I had to pick one, it's probably all things that I forget, have forgotten. But mm-hmm. the one thing that really that I was very conscious about was was getting to surfing because it was unlike even skating and, and snowboarding. It was surfing was this new level thing for me. Wow. And being so tied to music, it was like a perfect one two punch of like why I am who I am right now. Was your friend Stefan also into music? Yep. And yeah. his dad was a guitarist too. So then we okay. would go out to his house and we would like we would surf all day and then we his dad would have his friends over playing guitar and then we would, we would have a guitar circle and then he would like teach us songs and then they would encourage us to write our own songs. And then thousands of bad songs later, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember writing your first song? I do. Yeah. Uh, my first song I think was actually (laughs) in junior high. I actually went, many people don't know this in junior high. I went through this like very short stint of a rap phase. It was like when eight mile came out Mm Mm-hmm. So I, my first time I was actually writing stuff that wasn't like just like poetry, I would challenge people online to, you know, remember AIM or oh, yeah. Instant Messenger? I would challenge them to, like my friends, to uh, freestyles, but like via typing it. So it wasn't really freestyle. <laughs> it was terrible, but it, it really helped me uh, see how much work I had to do. Uh, but so that 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 ended great. really quickly that that like stint of that and um and then i got into a different kind of music and and i just i remember the first song i wrote it was 
it was actually called 10:52, and it was just like the time is 10:52, and I'm sitting in my room. It was about some girl, like every the first hundreds of songs usually always are. And uh, yeah, nobody will ever hear that song more than that line. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, man! Maybe maybe one don't day hide it from release us. Release the ball. That's I the couldn't good even stuff. remember that. I don't even think I played guitar at that point. I would write in okay. my drum books because mm. I always had like this gift of melody, I guess. And but it was even before I picked up a guitar. That I was like writing and like humming to stuff and I would like record it on like, you know, on a Windows media player thing with this little microphone. So. Right. Yeah. So. Just as rudimentary as you could. Yeah. Just yeah. get it down. And then I picked it out. Guitar and then, yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> was your family musical as well? No, my dad uh, played a little bit of drums growing up. Okay. But, uh, and my mom didn't play any instruments that I, that I can remember. Um, my dad has great taste in, in music. Yeah. Was your dad into? Uh the Eagles, James mm. Taylor, Bob Seger, you know, obviously Billy Joel was in the mix growing up on Long Island. Right. But because of that, I, d- I <laughs> wasn't really a huge Billy Joel fan. I take him for granted, right? Yeah, yeah. He's in it's your backyard. Yeah. So the, e- the Eagles and James Taylor are the two most important mm. classics for me. And um, my mom didn't have as great of taste in music. Uh, love her dearly, but yeah, I wasn't really into Johnny <laughs> Osmond. But my mom, t- my, dad, my mom took me to my first drum lesson when I was in third grade because I... That's another quick story is, so you couldn't start playing in the band until fourth grade in the school district that I was at. Okay. And, but in third grade, you can, you could, you had the option of starting to learn an orchestral instrument. So I like, everybody signed up because this is like what you did. And I signed up for a violin just because it was going to be the smallest thing to carry around. And I was like, I don't want to play the violin. Nothing against violin. I, I wish I knew how to play it now, but my mom's like, all right. So the day that I was supposed to go, she's like, instead, she's like, or the day before I was supposed to go, she's like, if you don't want to go to the first lesson, this group lesson, she's like, what, you, you, you should, do you want to learn a different instrument? I was like, I really want to learn drums, like Don Henley, like in the Eagles. I was like, I want to learn drums. And so we found, you know, she found this uh, private drum lesson guy's name was Matt. And it was like this like rickety shack of like a house in like a questionable area it was in a fine neighborhood but it seemed questionable and you go inside and it was just like this house of like all these musicians that taught different like lessons for their different instruments and it was like the best like three or four years wow like foundation so I, that next day instead of going to orchestra everybody's like where, where did you go and i was like oh, i went to my first drum lesson and it he taught me the drum set like right off the bat it just that was the beginning of music for me that's why i have a really strong percussion foundation and everything i do which i think is really important especially as a solo performer because that right hand on the guitar that's a drum totally yeah yeah i was picking that up i was going through some of your tracks but i was like yeah there's some rhythm some cool rhythm through here man yeah rhythm is everything yeah yeah you get i always say you, get, you should get into if you're gonna pick one instrument to start with it should either be the drums for a strong rhythm foundation mm-hmm. or piano for like a strong musical theory foundation mm. and so that i had to learn in the later on but uh so i'm glad that i have the rhythm background yeah, as I was, I mean, obviously, the first time I heard you play, um, it was a kind of a crowded, noisy room, as they tend oh, yeah, to be, it, yeah, right? Yeah. But um, I could pick up, I couldn't really hear the words that you were saying, but I could pick up the melody, and I could also pick up the rhythms that you're putting down, and it's really cool, you know, to hear a solo performer lay down rhythms on guitar, because it makes the, it makes that solo sound sound bigger. Mm-hmm. It makes you, it, it takes up more space in the room, fills the room, so it's beautiful to hear that. Yeah, it's, oh, thank you, first off. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, playing playing mostly solo my whole life has like kind of taught me that the mm. rhythm is everything. So I've like, kind of a, have a heavy right hand yeah. like that. 
Well, hey, you started with the drums, man. So you have a good excuse, yeah. right? I love I, the drums. Are just, I love it so much. How long are you still playing drums, or is that? Yeah, I mean, like- I, so I I don't have a drum set anymore, but um, I record all. I play all the instruments on my 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 one of my first two albums. Me and my friend Eric, who engineered it. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Eric Marina. He's an amazing local audio engineer. He taught me like everything I know as far as audio goes. But when I made, I made my first two records in his like bedroom studio, him and I traded off the instruments because he, he's also a multi-instrumentalist. So I've never, you know, stopped playing the drums or the bass or, you know, I dabble on the keys mm-hmm. that I want to get, I'll get more into, but as time goes on, but, but yeah, now this record making everything on my own, I'm, I'm playing everything and everything is, is percussion is pretty much either MIDI or hand percussion, mm-hmm. but. But yeah, I've never stopped. I, I love the drums. Amazing. So when you first hit that uh, that drum lesson, man, and you kind of fell in love with it, what was your next step? What was your your next deepest step into the music world? So there's that. T- so I mentioned, I mentioned my dad has great taste in music, mm-hmm. and I and I feel for most people because my friends are were the same way that you. There's this point where like you you get into your parents' music because it's what's you grew up hearing in the house. And then either by way of an older brother or your friend's older brother or older sibling, you, they, your world is then opened into like this new realm of music. And I, I was, I have a younger brother and I'm the, I'm the oldest of, of two. So I didn't have the older brother option, but my friend, my friend had an older brother and he's like, yo, I stole this CD from my brother. It's called Enema of the State by Blink-182. And it changed <laughs> everything for me because i had been playing drums for a couple years at that point and i don't know how familiar you are with blink 182 but their drummer travis barker is like one of the best drummers in the world yeah i actually own one of his uh solo drum albums oh yeah yeah the guy is phenomenal he's unreal so i mean i got he's been doing a lot of stuff with yellow wolf lately yeah he does stuff with like rappers and everybody now he's and he's in like four different bands uh he's incredible and i got Super obsessed with Blink-182 and especially from a drumming perspective. Because of Barker? Yeah. I always do forget. So basically there was a, there was a, a stint that was like sixth grade, but mm-hmm. in fifth grade, my, my younger brother, for some reason, got into, uh, to Hanson. You remember Hanson? <laughs> yeah, I do. So that the only thing I saw of like a, like a younger drummer at that point was that, what was his name? Zach, I think was the drummer. <laughs> I don't was it know. Zach, Isaac and Taylor. Yeah. Hanson <laughs> trivia right now. That's embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> and it's preserved in time forever. Um, but I remember getting, that was the first, sadly enough, that was the, the first uh, album I ever bought. It was a Hanson album. And I was like, this is, and then I got made fun of because my brother for his birthday wanted to go to a Hanson concert. Mm-hmm. And he we went at Jones Beach and all the girls from my fifth grade class were there. And I was there and I was like, oh man, I never heard the end of it. So I was like, I got to get into better music than right, Hanson. Right. But so actually that was the first time I was like, oh, I see a younger person like playing drums that wasn't like Don Henley or Phil Collins or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a few months later, Blink-182 came in, swooped in and saved me from the Hanson <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> So, which is a good thing. Yeah. So, you know, I had my, that was like my pop punk kind of phase and that carried me through. Nice. Junior high. So you finished out junior high with the guitar in your hand and you said you put it down for a bit. What yeah, was actually, that? no, I didn't, I didn't pick up guitar until high school. Oh, guitar. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That was drums. Yeah. So drums, yeah. drums was through junior high and I played in the jazz band and all that, all that stuff. And then it was the summer, uh, between ninth grade and 10th grade. So I, I, I went from public school to 
to private school mm -hmm. at, at that switch. But mo so most of my friends were going to a different high school because they, they were still in public school. Sure. And one of my friends, the same one, my friend Anthony, who's older brother, he stole, you know, stole the Blink-182 CD. Funny enough, he had picked up guitar like that year. And we would, even though we went to different schools, we lived like around the block from, from each other and we'd still hang out. We were at my neighbor's house and he's like, he's playing his guitar and it was my, my neighbor, uh, Caitlin and her friends. So it was these two girls and they were like, just like, Oh my God, you're so good at guitar. And all the girls were paying attention to him. And I was like, man, I need to learn guitar. I can't bring my drum set to the beach. <laughs> There's that girl theme. Yeah. Again. Right. It's that theme. She's, she's back. <laughs> and I was like, I can, my ego was like, I can play that Blickwood 82 song. He's like, no, you can't. I bet you, I bet you a hundred bucks. You can't play a Blickwood 82 song. Get a guitar and, and play it. It's really hard. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take this bet. So I don't, know if you, I don't know if you read in my bio, it says like on a bet from a friend mm -hmm. picked up a guitar. That was the bet. That was the bet. I huh? mowed, I was like, well, I don't have any money. So I, I mowed like five lawns for $20 a pop, had $100, bought a nice little $99 Squire by Fender acoustic guitar oh, from yeah. musiciansfriend.com. And um, I remember like, I'm like, yeah, it was like the only website that existed at that point. And I had a just had gotten like a computer in my room, so I like ordered it and everything myself. Like I felt like really good yeah. about myself. You're coming up in the world. Yeah, and I got this like plywood, basically made out of plywood guitar, and uh, started teaching myself songs in the songbook that came with it. And I I gave it up after that summer because I was like, this is too hard. And because of Blink 182, I was like, I'm gonna learn bass instead because there was no chords in bass, it's just right. root notes. That's what my bass player friend from the jazz band that I played in school that I played drums for taught me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to pick up bass instead. So I got a bass for Christmas. So then I, that's, that's how I learned like the, cause it's the same neck. It's just longer and the notes are the, the, notes the, lower, are the same. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I learned those and it actually really helped me. And then that's when Jack Johnson started getting big. And I was on the, I was, I remember coming back from a track meet. My one's friends like, Oh, you're getting into surfing. And he's like, you know, you should check out this guy, Jack Johnson. He's going to be like the next big thing. And he had, was just about to come out with his second album at this point. And he was just kind of coming to the East Coast. And mm -hmm. I got on and on by Jack Johnson. I was like, I, oh, man, what did I do? I got to go get an acoustic guitar now. And that's, that's, that's really when guitar took hold. And I, like, really dedicated myself. I didn't. I was a pretty shy kid, pretty introverted. And I had friends. But if I had the option to, like, not go to a, a, a party or something like that, I stayed in my room, you know, Friday night. Saturday and Sunday, six, six, seven hours at a time, and just taught myself really all these songs. Wow! And then when I when I learned all the songs, I was like, I can write my own songs, and, I, and then I would just start doing that. So you'd never taken any lessons at this point. You were just teaching yourself. Yeah, I've never I, and never took guitar lessons or anything. Mm -hmm. The only lessons I took were drum lessons. Mm -hmm. I find it amazing how uh, a particular culture can lack, latch onto an artist or a sound. And then suddenly yeah. it permeates the entire culture. Yeah. It sounds like that's what happened with Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson. That's what happened. Yeah. The timing was just so right. And so many uh, artists that I either know or, or just have heard them talking through other podcasts or something like that, that are around my age, you know, Jack and Ben Harper, all those people are like a part of that. They were like that core group yeah. of, of people that were like, whoa, this is a different kind of music. And it seems like really accessible now. And it's like feel good, laid back kind of beach thing, which was already in my bones from where I geographically grew up. So it was just like this perfect storm of of uh, inspiration. Yeah. So did you ever learn that that uh, Blink One Eighty Two song? I, I I did. I don't remember what song it was, but I did. But it took me way longer. My friend was ultimately right. It was way harder. 
And then he taught me how to play power chords and that helped me learn how to play bar chords. And then, uh, yeah, but that was, a, that was a defining moment for sure. I yeah. like, I vividly remember like where I was sitting in my friend's mm-hmm. like house and like what it looked like outside. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, it's just one of those moments that you don't know why you don't realize at the time rather that, that it's going to be a big moment in your life. It's like imprinted back. on your yeah, brain. It's imprinted. And, <laughs> I don't know. Science says that you, you can change your memories, but I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that one is hundred percent accurate. Well, it has to do with the strength of the emotion at the time, right? Yeah. It sounds like you were experiencing some pretty heightened emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to prove him wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Dude. So that was the beginning of the guitar career. Yeah, that was the beginning. That wasn't the uh, genesis of putting it down for four no, years. No, yeah, I didn't put it. Putting it down didn't happen till after, um, till after college. A few months mm. after I graduated, and I and I should say, I'd be remiss to say that shortly after I got my guitar, my parents, their friend, owned this like uh, bar and like pub, kind of like in town, and there was an open mic night like every like I think it was every like t- Tuesday or Thursday night. It was like on an off night, and uh, you know they encouraged me to like. They're like, we'll take you to the open mic. And I was like, all right. I'm just playing these like terrible originals and like a Jack Johnson cover. And I remember being a shy kid, but getting up there and just eyes closed in front of the mic and opening it, opening my eyes at the end after three songs and like feeling the most empowered I've ever felt and being like, wait a second, I can do this. Because I was no longer, I was still super shy in school and like all throughout junior high, like people were like, does this kid even talk? But I, when I picked up that guitar, it changed everything. So I'm, I'm like really, I realized I was really comfortable in, in, I don't want to say in the spotlight, but like mm-hmm. if I had to be on, like I, I could flip that switch on if there's a microphone in front of me or a camera in front of me, it just was this natural thing. And I, my personality would, would make you think that it would be otherwise. But. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, in our limited interaction, like I can't imagine you as a shy kid. Oh yeah. Super shy. And I still kind of can be, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm actually, I'm definitely an, introvert extrovert as they say mm-hmm. but uh i think a lot of creatives are kind of like that but very much so. I, I prefer solitude mm-hmm. to recharge but i also do get fired up when the conversations are good or when i know it's going to be um which everything is good because you learn something from everybody but um i've, I've taught myself to kind of turn that switch on when i need it to be yeah i can relate to that i think sometimes when i get into social situations i find myself spending a lot of energy to make sure that I'm saying or doing the right things yes. as I air Yeah, my wife is the same way. So the between the two of us, when we get back from like an event or something. You need rest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same draining. way, dude. Like I come in and I have to recharge yeah. alone. It's amazing. Yeah, it's totally. crazy. So living in New York City was really tough because <laughs> you, you can never escape There's people it. everywhere, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, so, bro. Yeah. So uh, that's that's very cool. So um, when you So when you learned all those Jack Johnson songs and you're like, dude, I can start writing my own. You know, did the game change for you a little bit more? Did you like up it to the next level? And were you like, did you start seeing it as something that you might want to do long term? Yeah, I don't remember exactly when I was like, oh, this could be a career. I think I never thought of it. Well, not that I never did. Um, but I guess pretty early on, it was just like the enjoyment of it. And then my friend, his parents and few of my other friends in high school like they saw me play and they're like this is what you're supposed to be doing and but I was like an oscillator of a kid so I, I now looking back like I totally understand how people are like oh there's Rob again like he's skateboarding today he's gonna be playing baseball tomorrow like I would pick up a lot of things and throw things back down and then sure. pick them up on like on a cycle so 
I think a lot of people were like, oh, guitar is just another trend. And it was the only thing that stuck. And then when I, when I did ultimately put it down after college, you know, that was after playing for like eight years or so. Is that bad math? Yeah, about eight years or so. Um, I was like, man, maybe this was just like a really long trend. And then, you know, you can be your own worst enemy and you're in your own way and you're telling yourself that, oh, you're not supposed to do this. And so did that answer? I, I totally forgot the original question. <laughs> <laughs> I might have as well. Yeah, no, I was just asking about the longevity of that. Oh, and, yeah, right. And, like and you, how would I... You were speaking to that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, and when I thought it would be a career. Yeah, it wasn't... It, it, my friend, I keep bringing him up because he was a you know, big part of my life. Uh, Stefan was always like, you know, you, this is what you're supposed to do. Mm. And so I wanted to go to college initially i mean i wanted to go for so many different things you know i wanted to start my own surf company do all this stuff but um one of the ideas was to go to be, learn how to do audio engineer like and i was like oh i can go to berkeley or something like that but ultimately didn't and that was all for the better because then i would play i play i was like one of the only guitarists then on on campus in college and then more people were like oh there's rob he's the good guy who plays skateboards and plays guitar so i was like I was like, oh, I'm like the Jack Johnson on campus, which is super <laughs> lame to label, your, label yourself like that. But um, yeah, I, I, I start the more and more I got into it, the more and more I was like, this is what I, yeah, like, this could be a thing. And, you know, and people would come in and my, my parents were, were really um, supportive through the process of it. They, they never told me to like put the guitar down, but I think everybody is like, you know, it's, it's hard to become a rock star, whatever that means. So it's like, you know, be careful, like, what you're going to go for. And so I never, because of that, I, I always had one foot in one foot out. And it wasn't until, you know, my, my wife being the, the most recent of the, of the chain of important people that kept poking me being like, Hey, you can do this. And she's like, you can, this can be, you can do this, you know? Mm -hmm. and, it, and it grew into now it's like, you know, all I think about. Yeah. But even now, then you have to like, you have to think like, Hmm, well, if everything turns on its head tomorrow, like, what would you do? Like if, and what, you know, meaning like if Spotify and all these things go away that allow independent artists to be independent artists, like what would you do? And I have to tell myself that like, no matter what, just never stop playing. Cause you know what happened before when you stopped playing, it was like four years of like kind of feeling really lost. Yeah. So why did you stop playing? It was that real world thing. I was like, Oh, I graduated from college. I got to get a, got to get that real job. You know, I, I didn't make it happen. I thought Jack Johnson was going to call me up by now and ask me to be on brush fire records. Cause, <laughs> I, I, Cause that's how it works. That's how it works. That's yeah. how I thought it worked. And, uh, I met him when I was in my senior year of high school. Uh, my neighbor, he w used to work in the music industry and he was able to, he got us like my, my brother and I like tickets to like different events. And often he, we were able to get like backstage passes and, uh, he got me and my friends backstage like VIP passes to see Jack Johnson play in Central Park. And I was like, and I'm Stefan. It's funny. My friend Stefan and my friend Anthony, the two people, uh, like, yeah, two they, people that I they grew keep up showing with up, yeah. from two different high schools. They were with me. And I was like, guys, this is the night when Jack's going to call me on stage and ask me to play. Like, I remember being like, this is that night. That was not the night. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I brought a surfboard fin backstage and I'm like, I'm going to have him sign my surfboard fin. He's going to be like, whoa, no one's ever done that before. <laughs> What's your name? And I was, I had it written in my head. I was like, and I'll be like, my name's Rob. I play guitar. Oh man, you should come on stage and play, play Taylor. You know, I play Taylor. I was like, oh, it's the first song I ever learned. I remember to this day, the narrative, the sad narrative, not sad, but I was a dreamer of a, of a kid, you know? Totally. And, but that was a reality check of like, no, you have to put your time in and, 
things work out, but it's usually never the way that you write them on a micro level. Mm-hmm. But, but, uh, but yeah, that was, that was the dream. <laughs> wow. That, that's a beautiful story though. I mean, and it, it, I think it speaks a lot, uh, to your desire, you know, to be where you are. So, um, even, even, you know, as I sit across from you today and I've heard some of your stuff and obviously I didn't hear any of that stuff back then, but your stuff now is amazing. So like listening to you, um, talk about it and, and how you became the person that you are today is really a cool sort of a thing. And I do think a lot of people fall prey to that sort of societal timeline of, Oh, well, you're done with school now. Yeah. What real job are you going to get? Yeah. Right. But you put it down for four years, man. That seems like a long time. I had a really stressful job. So then it, it, so I put it down a few months after I graduated. I was just like, it just kind of, it wasn't a conscious decision to be like, not gonna, Mm. not gonna play. You just lost time. I lost, it just, and then I remember it just sat in the corner of my room, Mm. of my apartment, just sat there. And there was one point where I would be like, I just don't play guitar anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, when did it happen? Right. You know, it wasn't like I graduated and then the next day I, I was still playing guitar and surfing that whole summer until I, until I got my job. I actually, I worked, so I worked in cable news like for like a breaking news team. And while I had set hours, like we were always on call and I was just, the job itself was, was like really stressful and I needed a different outlet because I, I thought I needed a different outlet, I should say, because I was kind of bitter about music in a way. Cause I was like, Oh, the Jack Johnson thing didn't happen. Like it did like, as it, I thought things were supposed to fall in your lap and that's not how the world works. The world is yours for the taking, but you have to put in the work and nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. And so that's why the guitar faded away. And that's when my running, it was like this overlap of guitar as guitar faded away. The perfect crossover of guitar and running was Ireland. That's when I was at, like I was traveling, I was recording music in my room in Ireland and I have this new love interest of running and it was all working together. And then it came to this point where I was like, well, I got to choose one or the other. Mm. And running was a really therapeutic way for me to like release my stress, you know, go on a 20 mile run on a Sunday because I was afraid of what I was going to get into on, on Monday morning, depending what the news was. And you know, that, then it got to the point where like everything took a backseat and running was just my only focus. So that, that has a big part of like to do with it. And then it's kind of funny the way things happen. Fast forward a few years, little injuries become bigger injuries and the awakening during one of my 50 mile races. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm just getting hurt. I'm not actually running from anything. I'm not by running. I'm just running away from things that I haven't fixed. Mm-hmm. And right around that time I start dating my wife and then she sees me play guitar at my friend Stefan's house his parents had a second house up in vermont we went up there for like our first trip together and and she sees me play guitar and she had never seen me play before it was the first time i picked it up consciously you know other than the dust off my guitar during those that four years that i didn't play and that was like the kind of then the fall off of running slowly started to fall off and then guitar started to build back up so it was this kind of this beautiful like dance of 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 activity in my life the way things kind of play out yeah the way you described running just now though it sounds like it sounds as though the running was almost like you numbing out like you're not wanting to deal and i enjoyed it yeah for sure in the beginning but it got to a point where i was like then i was just running so i could drink more beer because then craft (laughs) run craft beer and trail running went hand to hand right hand in hand it still does but but uh at least that's the way it's branded so i then and then i was i was like i gotta change this and that took a long time to 
figure that one out. But uh, yeah, it was just all these little lessons that were like intertwining. And I always had this like awareness that would be like, hey, maybe maybe you should not do that and try something like this. And but that higher self, the higher me, that voice mm-hmm. was not nearly as loud or clear as it is today. You know, the voice that I was mostly hearing one was like the one of of scarcity and doubt and all that stuff. Um, the bad wolf, you know, that, that was the voice that would kind of pull me, pull me away. And I would make more impulse decisions on putting things down and not like going really doing the work on Mm -hmm. your craft and the work on yourself. Like that was, I couldn't fathom that kind of stuff at that point. Now I know how to like, I don't want to say label it, but now I know how to like explain it to myself. Like that's what you you need to do. That that's kind of the whole purpose of this. hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, you, you mentioned that your wife heard you play. Had she not heard you play up until that point? No, she had only heard that I played because, uh, so it's, it's kind of funny. So my the way we initially met was at my cousin's engagement party because my cousin is married to her older sister. Okay. So there was always somebody in my family, even before we started dating that she had heard that like, Oh yeah, he plays guitar. He's like into like Jack Johnson. He's like a surf guy or something like that. And so she knew I played it, and she's telling, she told me, she's like, when you picked up a guitar that first time, she's like, I was like, I hope he's not bad, because I'm going to have to pretend that he's that he doesn't sound bad. That's awesome. <laughs> At least she's and honest, I was definitely, right? definitely very rusty. Um, but Now, did you grab the guitar and, and whip out an original at this point? No, or? so... It, I was going to say, like, that'd be ballsy. Was, this was... Um, it was an interesting situation. It was me, my friend Stefan, and his dad because the three of us play and there was only one guitar because like we didn't play because I guitar I didn't I would usually bring my guitar everywhere I wasn't playing at that point so I didn't bring my guitar on trips anymore mm-hmm. and we were at their their ski house in Vermont and and there was one guitar and he's like I got an idea there may or may not have at the time been some drinks going around and and he's like I got an idea for a game I think it was his dad's idea he's like we each play a song if you get through the song and we approve of it. You play another song and then move the guitar. If you mess up, you have to take a shot. <laughs> and I don't condone any of this. Again, this is my other other life, my first half of my life. But uh, it was it was hilarious. And uh, the key rule was absolutely no originals. Hmm. So I just I was like, I don't know that I remember. So it was all try- me trying to remember Jack Johnson and Eagles songs. And yeah, to answer your question, like that's how it went down. And it was just like an evening of. It was, you know, innocent kind of guitar fun. And that, and I didn't, didn't expect it. And then the, the drive home the next day, Marissa's like, you know, you should really, like, you have a huge smile on your face playing guitar. Like, you should really consider picking it back up. And it wasn't like, she was so, like, smart and intuitive with it. She wasn't like, you need to do this. Like, this is your passion. Like, she, you know, the way she tells me now, she's like, yeah, I remember. Like, you know, she's like, I think you should just, it makes you happy. Like, you, you should do things that, that bring you joy in your life. And then I... I thought about it and a few nights later I, I was walking back from work in, in Manhattan and I was like, oh, I have this idea. What if I like start trying to write songs again or start recording songs again rather, do covers and I'll do like one take and I'll record it on my iPhone and I'll send it to her. It'll be called One Take Wonders. I, I think of a, I have to go all in with her. I do it. So I was like, how can I brand it? So I'm going already down the yeah. before I, and I pick it up and I like record. I don't even remember what song I recorded. And it every morning I would like, wake up before work record after my roommates left and I record something on my iPhone and like send it to her. And it mm. started this thing where I was like rediscovering the joy again. And then I started writing music again. Nice. And then it just came back 
because like the muse the muse had left me i had i've always had this like kind of sounds weird but it's like female creative energy like you feel it it's the it's the muse there's no other way to describe it Mm -hmm. a lot of artists will talk about it and it's this energy where you have to like nourish it you have to respect it you have to appreciate it you have to take care of it but you also can't take it for granted like like any significant other and i had like turned my back on that muse when i you know gradually let go of the guitar and it was this one to two year process of like getting her back to me Mm -hmm. and that's the best way i can describe it and right now i feel like i have a great relationship with the muse so beautiful which I'm, I don't take for granted at all. I love the I love that you describe that as feminine. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, I've heard a few people describe it similarly. But one of the one of the most beautiful explanations of that male female dichotomy of energy, obviously, is in the yin yang symbol, right? But the female energy being chaos, and the male energy being order. And there's a little bit of feminine in the masculine, and a little bit of masculine in the feminine, which makes up that symbol. Yeah, right. And so you as a as a masculine energy, reach into the feminine energy and create some order from it. Do you find that that's uh, applicable or no? Uh, yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense to me, especially now. Yeah. So now I've like explored that stuff deeper. At the time, even but even at the time in high school, like, I would have been like, "There's this female energy." It was just I could. It was just for me. It was. It felt like it was like a. Maybe it's just because like you're when you're playing guitar, you're always kind of like you start out usually. If, sing I, at least me. I, I was singing songs about girls or like writing a song so you like maybe sing it to a girl but I was too shy to ever do that <laughs> and so maybe that's what kind of made it feel like that but I don't know there was just there was just like this yeah I don't know I just had this like female presence that was like but it was like this guiding presence this mm-hmm. guardian like presence where it was like it's here for you like you have this whether it's a gift or not it's it's just it's always felt female to me mm. I know that's it sounds it might sound odd to a lot of people but yeah that. That's just the best way I could describe it. I know you're familiar with Xavier Rudd. Uh, not really. I know the name, but yeah, not the work. Yeah, he's an Australian-based guy, and one of the he was tied into like the the surf scene by you know by way of like Jack Johnson and stuff. So I listened to his music early on, and he describes it the same way. And I mm. heard it out after I had like described it to other people several times. I was like, oh, at least okay. Now I'm not the only one. And now you hear a lot of people describe it with a that way but he'll say there's like this female energy he calls it like a grandmother spirit or something everybody's got a different name for it but it's you know it's the muse so we're going to pause here guys and take a break rob and i had the opportunity to speak for more than two hours and rather than shortchange the conversation and the rob ricardo fans out there by giving you half of what we had to say uh, and what rob had to speak on i want to give you the full effect of the conversation by breaking this up into a part one and a part two so we're about halfway through the conversation right now. I'm going to call this part one and uh, give you part two next week. So be sure and tune in to Hardwater Radio next Wednesday again for the for the second half of this conversation and to kind of make it up for you guys having to wait all this time, this whole seven-day period. Rob was kind enough to pull out his guitar and record one of his most popular tunes right here in studio. And one of my favorite methods of hearing a song, hearing a performance is just man and instrument and that's exactly what we've got we got rob's voice we've got rob's guitar and a couple of microphones and he put out a live version for us of adventure of me so i'm going to insert that here for all to enjoy and we'll see you guys in the next episode so this is a song called adventure of me it's the one i mentioned uh, earlier in the conversation
not gonna lie Some days I miss the tide The scent of a soul that I breathe coming over me But I have no doubt That where I am right now Is right where I'm supposed to be This is the journey of the soul It's the adventure of me No matter what I'm told I know that I am free To roam my own way To float my own sea To chase my own dreams On this adventure of me Whoa. I traded hurricanes Four monsoon rains And I love that I have no idea what's next Could be northern lights Rocky mountain highs I learned to be open to anything This is the journey of the soul It's the adventure of me No matter what I'm told I know that I am free To roam my own way To float my own sea Chase my own dreams On this adventure of me What are you searching for in this life or in this old life now? What are you searching for in this life, this old life? What are you searching for? Are you looking for the sycamore? This is the journey of the soul It's the adventure of me No matter what I'm told I know that I am free To roam my own way To float my own sea Chase my own dreams On this adventure of me Whoa On this adventure of me going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing. And by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.